Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all those social media platforms at NoClutchNate. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Thomas. You can find me on social media at the Wookie Lives. Make sure you spell it right or you won't find me. Uh, you can also find me at Nev and Min. That's from my other podcast, The Never Ending Minute. And keep an eye out for X Minutes and the Fantasy 80s Movies Minutes. It's like he's got the whole uh, everything under his belt. <laughs> Going everywhere. I just can't get enough yeah. podcasting. Professionalism is what it is. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> compared to compared to podcasting, compared to, life is is real. It's, it's real. It, yo, it's the realest life. Oh, podcast life for for real though. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I have ad- uh, <laughs> I have adopted the podcast life. <laughs> podcast life chose me. Right. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about minute number one oh two. Uh, of Dawn of Justice. The minute's going to start out with Alexander Luther Jr. uh, dripping blood all over the face of fake Zod. And the the minute's going to end with... Oh, see, like, what I wrote just doesn't even describe it. The minute's going to end with Perry White wondering where Clark Kent went. And I'm pretty sure uh, that's not the first time a minute has ended with Perry White wondering where Clark's been. Yeah. This it's a, uh, it's a trend. It's a very it's it's short what um what happens in this minute regarding uh the daily planet. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, but I do have a lot to talk about in that okay, one. Okay, right? okay, yeah, okay. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Let's, Back to let's, Scout let's, Ship yeah, Smash go, Cut. Let's go to the amniotic chamber where General Zod and Genesis Chamber. Genesis Chamber where <laughs> My um, bad. <laughs> General <laughs> where General Zod and uh Lex Luthor are having a moment. And, is this uh, Genesis Chamber, Amionic Chamber, going to be like a Cal Clark thing with us now? I, I hope not. <laughs> I'm sticking to Krypton code, brother. Krypton, yeah, no lapses in decorum, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what we get here is Lex Luthor. He's he's uh, administering this genetic foreign material, foreign genetic material, onto General Zod. He's going to start this this uh procedure basically are both of those like different things that's all i gotta say (laughs) yeah swapping fluids um foreign genetic well she says um, genetic foreign material yeah she says are they different things like is that an easy mix like you can't mix those up on paper or you're gonna screw up the entire operation no it's uh, are they interchangeable huh I'm Thomas, what? don't you work in the don't you work in the medical field? No, no. I well, <laughs> in a manner of speaking, but not like that. No, I do. Uh, I work <laughs> on audiology equipment. <laughs> I do electronic. I don't do cloning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, it's acknowledging presence of foreign genetic material. Carla Gugino, I think, still voices these kilo robots yeah, that's and true. stuff. Um, so yeah, we do know that listener society. Oh yeah, Just point that out real but quick. Puff up your chest like Kylo. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody puffing the uh, chest that big. That's, that's very true. Uh, he's a wide guy. <laughs> Anyways, um, so what we get here is we get this real sincere moment of sorrow. Um, yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to describe what's happening to yeah. Lex right now. Yeah, I, I really have no idea what's what's you guys happening. About this, why is Lex so emotional about this? Is there some backstory that I'm not privy to? 
Uh, well, see, no one's no one. Yeah, no one knows. No one knows least, what's. Yeah. It, it, to understand Lex's mind, is you have to yeah. like dive into the deep end, right? You know, yeah. so you have to think to yourself, what is it that is, what is it that Lex Luthor is finding such an emotional tether to what's going on here? You're thinking about this guy who's. Obsessed of overkilling I, 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 a god. I wrote, it, I wrote this theory down. Now, bear with me. He is breaking his own, um, what is his moral clarity? Like, he's breaking his own code to destroy Superman. So, let's let's hearken back to... You're trying to say, like, he's not, instead of destroying Superman as a man, he's using a Kryptonian to try to do that? Yeah, so check, oh. the, hold on, check this out. Listen okay, to this, Okay, I get guys. where you're going. So, um... When we first met Lex Luthor in this movie, he was wearing a t-shirt, the Banksy, the monkey detonator t-shirt. And I spun this theory that, so the monkey is use, is blowing up bananas to blow up a safe. Um, now what that means is it's destroying what it loves to get what it wants kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that's how you can see Lex Luthor in here. So he, he destroyed what he loves, which is humanity. And he destroyed a bunch of human beings in a Senate building to get at Superman. And also, he's bringing a Kryptonian to life to mm-hmm. combat other alien Kryptonian. Kryptonian. Oh, man. So you're breaking your character because like, you're destroying what you love and also bringing back to life what you hate to get at. So I feel like the moment of sadness is almost like sacrifice of like, I'm doing this because I don't like doing this, but I like, but I want what I want. Yeah. You know I, I what I'm saying? That. Is there a joke like, you know... No, that's a to, very sad story, Nate. There is no joke. Okay. <laughs> how, to, how to kill a Kryptonian? Uh, make a stronger Kryptonian? I don't know. Is that... I feel like I should know that. Yeah, well, there, I mean, my theory... Maybe that's a running joke with Superman writers. Just uh, hit harder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, uh, good, good summary of... Uh, death of Superman. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, All right, and this movie. So he re- he's he says as he's crying over the dead body, he says you flew too you flew too close to the sun, which is of course referencing Icarus. Um, mm-hmm. I had to go. Not that I didn't know the story, but I wanted to see what what the internet said about Icarus, and it talks a lot about how. The whole Icarus story is man's struggle between hubris and complacency. How, you know, you can't be too big, you can't think too highly, and you can't go too low because you'll you'll drown. And it, it's interesting to me that Lex's big problem is his own hubris. Like, he's definitely trying to step beyond his, his human side. He's trying to go and become a god and all that. He mentions, you know, that several times. But one of the things that I found most interesting about this is that, like I said, the story is about flying either too close to the You're told not to fly too close to the sun and not to fly too close to the water. And he says, you flew too close to the sun. And when Icarus did that, he ended up burning off his wings and he drowned. And then the next thing mm-hmm. that Lex does here is push Zod underneath the water. Mm hmm. Yeah, that is cool. It's yeah, I I never picked that up, but I yeah, I either. always got stuck on who's Icarus. 
Icarus? From when, not, not, actually, not actually Icarus. Who's Icarus right now that Lex is referring to? Uh, is he referring to himself about... with his own hubris, or is he actually directly talking to Zod? I think That's he's... a good question. It's both, I think, at the same time, because he's talking to Zod saying, you tried to step beyond your, your own means and your own place, and now you're dead and you're, you're drowning. But he's also kind of referencing what's going to happen to him later on, too. It's like foreshadowing. How does how okay so if if we're going about like Zod stepping over his boundaries or whatever how did Zod step over the boundaries he was trying to do what he was created to do um I mean if you're it's, relating it to the fight with him and, between him and Cal I he was still doing what he was created to do I do believe Zod's biggest uh his greatest sin is pride like yeah i so i feel like it's in line with kind of like is that pride okay so yeah that's Mm. what it's talking about with the hubris is that your pride's trying to take like you could have just left right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that's why he didn't see he underestimated a lot of things regarding just superman himself he he underestimated the whole l family basically yeah and that's why and it's like it's hard for general zod to accept that he is not the best Thing. I'm sure because yeah. like that was like his biggest you know he was he's so mm-hmm. he like he will not allow someone to tell him that he's wrong or he's in he's like on the wrong side of things like he died with his pride because he believed he was doing the right thing mm-hmm. even until like the moment superman killed him like he still believed that was what he was doing yeah so like yeah he like of course he he died Without really knowing it, I I love the I love this line that Lex Luthor says when he pushes him into the water. He says like, like you know, after he says you flew cl- too close to the sun, and he's like, now look at you. I always felt like that was such a powerful delivered line. I, I really like that. Maybe that's him. supposed to be referencing the drowning. That's yeah. Now look at you. That's what I'm saying. He flew too close to the sun yeah. and then he drowned, and he's like, now look at you. You're drowning. <laughs> yeah. So if Superman is the uh, metaphorical sun. Mm-hmm. And he's the Zod, last Zod, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, snap. Yo. Oh. oh, man. I, you know, I like it when things start to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is, this is fine work we're doing, gentlemen. <laughs> um, so the Kryptonian scout robot says, like, um, that the action is forbidden. It has been decreed by the Council of Krypton that none will ever again give life to a deformity. Uh, was it so hateful to sight and memory? The mm-hmm. desecration without name. And now it's the desecration without name um, because it, it was originally called Bertrand's Curse. Yeah. And Bertrand was the man who, or Kryptonian, who originally came up with this cookbook recipe of how to yes. create a demon or whatever. Right. So they just called it Bertrand's Curse and never really named it. And so I thought that was what so was was so was what is so cool about it is that it was like so hateful. They never named it. Oh, like, so instead of like giving it like giving the credit to yeah, Bertrand, it's right. like, yo, you just don't you just don't even talk about it. Yeah, like that I, was just I, a bad they, thing. They had the saying, uh, beware Bertrand's curse. Yeah. But they like that's it. Like they, yeah. they, they blame the man. It's like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. That's right. exactly what it is. I love how poetic yeah. it is too, like what he's what the robot's saying. So hateful to sight and memory, the desecration without name. It's it's just poetic and and almost has a a rhythm to it that's you wouldn't expect from a robot, I guess. 
Is the hatefulness coming from what the creature would be seeing uh, sight and what it would be remembering, like how we do see later on in the film? Like there's still little pieces of Zod in there? Or is the sight and... Ooh, you're uh, or is asking it, a question I want to get to, like, not even in this week. No, like later on? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can we bring up sight, what it's so hateful to sight and memory? To the people of Krypton. Right. That's it. It's from the people of the Krypton yeah. perspective? Right. Okay, it's, so the, it's the, the, the council. The, okay. the archives, so. The, yeah, the council's perspective. Yeah, it's Got almost it. like uh, one of those Kryptonian law councils. It's like they couldn't use the word abomination. Right. Because Incredible Hulk. Exactly. <laughs> just, just Incredible Hulk, yeah. Um, they no, didn't have but, the um, trademark rights. Yeah. yeah. No, what is it? I'm trying to think like a Kryptonian council person. Um, I forget what those two people's oh, names were. Oh, man, they had weird names. <laughs> um, but it's almost like they said that and the robot recorded it. And right. then it was like so hateful to cite in memory because it was like it's like in the quote, same tone. It's like yeah. quoting. It's like a robot quoting like a presidential address or something. Oh, it's like the robots are just glorified stenographers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Lex hits him with that little, like, quick jab where it's like, and where is the Council of Krypton? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, destroyed, sir. And he says, then proceed. <laughs> so, so powerful because what you're saying is the this society of, of gods, this, this world of aliens, like, they failed. But I, Lex Luthor, the human being, the greatest being of this universe... I will do it right this time. Ah, oh, Lex Luthor, the human being. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's so weird. Where he's like, you know what, y'all messed up. Except I'm gonna do it right, and it's like you, you, you. You know, like what a man. So what a what a man. What a I man. This isn't ex- man, exactly man, in my minutes, what but man. what are your guys' thoughts on Jesse Eisenberg as Lex? Phenomenal. Well, to give you a quick answer, yeah, he did the best. They've heard yeah. our opinion enough. W- yeah. What's your thoughts on it? <laughs> I I like his approach to the character. I like the way he portrays him. My only problem is probably because of where I've come from, what's, what's led me here with him is his physical size. That's the only downside I have to him, and that's probably because of stuff like Justice League and Smallville, all the stuff that really cued me in on who Lex Luthor was. And his, like I said, his only downfall to me is his physical size. He doesn't seem physically intimidating enough for me to fill the Lex role. But I do like yeah. the the energy, the the frenetic energy that brings to the character and the, the um, obvious intelligence. It's just his physical size that kind of leaves me la- or wanting more, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely seems like that was <clears> like <throat> the uh, the driving force behind much Lex Luthor Jr. Yeah, flack. They, um, just, I mean, and that's uh, it's on. I guess it's on our everybody's fault. But like, you're right, Thomas. Like the things that leading up to Lex Luthor that kind of drove the fact in your mind that he's like this really wide-shouldered, tall, bald guy. It's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's always the argument of Lex has been portrayed exactly like what Jesse Eisenberger looks like in comics before. Uh, you know, if, it's, it's just they, always that. They really argument, went you know? in because like he's he's like the other type of villain. He's yeah. Like, he's like the opposite of what General Zod is, which is mm-hmm. General Zod is just supposed to be like evil Superman. And then Lex Luthor is supposed to be 
opposite of Superman. So it's like small scrawny man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every every attribute is the complete opposite of Superman. Like right. you can't imagine Jesse Eisenberg playing Clark Kent. Oh, no. Superman. <laughs> yeah. You think he has like some sort of Napoleon complex towards Superman? Uh I feel like Nicole. when he hit him on the chest at the party. Yeah. It's but, probably like a But that's more of like uh Yeah, we got into that like the whole like being able to like this Yeah, touch the god and yeah, everything touching, like that. But like still like him being like that so shorter. Weird. He's so much smaller than yeah. him. It's like he had to reach up and it's And that's like, another thing, going back to this where he like pushes General Zod into the water. It's like you are touching a a godlike being and you're like you are in control of this thing now. Yeah, he's like is. that's He's got a thing about touching, man. And he's shoving yeah, it beneath him too, like symbol, symbol, uh, symbolically saying, "You're beneath me now." Oh yeah, definitely. Man, that's incredible. They, he, I, y'all hear my opinion enough, Lex Luthor. He's a good guy. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Did you guys have anything else for the? Uh, uh, what are we calling this thing? Scout ship part. General Zod ritual. <laughs> You, is that a good you mean one? the desecration without name? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, there you go. That's what it is. We can't even give it a name, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah, I think I'm it's so I'm hateful to cite memory. Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. Uh, smash cut. So two. let's uh, let's skip over to what is weirdly one of my favorite uh, bits of this movie, and I don't know why it is so, but because Jenny Jerwich is right there. <laughs> well, it, it's not. Well, yeah, I do like the character a lot, but. It's what she's saying that I find so interesting. And it's almost like um, um, not anything. uh, See, now it's hard to bring up some of these celebrities that we see in this movie because it's like we're now in 2017 and a lot has happened with certain celebrities. But when Charlie Rose is talking to Senator Finch and stuff, I enjoy what he's saying. I'm enjoying what Neil deGrasse Tyson is saying. And and it's it's like these questions that are said for exposition, but at the same time, they're questions that you can ask yourself and like kind of just play with and chew on in your brain kind of thing. Yeah. And so she's saying, and so we are left to wonder if Superman was aware of the threat and did nothing. Was he then complicit in the capital tragedy? Is this like a, like a Schrodinger's box kind of thing? Superman Schrodinger box. Yeah. It says his disappearance raises questions and yeah, I don't know. See, that's the thing. And it's, it's one of those things. It's the way that this actress delivers the lines and the lines that the, that were written itself. That is good. That is, that is, um, I, we got those in man of steel. We got them in this film. Uh, journalism. Yeah. But it's like Perry white being like, if people knew that that guy was that, if that guy existed out there, do you know? Yeah. 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 Do you know how they would react? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, Give me those. I want those. You want those ideas. You want, I want those, those thoughts. I want those because yeah. that's like something that, like, when you're trying to think of a story, when you're like writing a book or something, and you're on yeah. the, you're on the highway, and you're like, and you come across a quote in your brain, you're like, that's it. That's like because that it's those, something that builds the idea. Those lines, yeah. they're not just there. Because I, I I'm not a fan of like exposition lines where they're like. Um, I mean, you have to have them, but it's like you're just saying things so that people know what's going on in yes. the story. But yeah. like you say a line like this, being spoon fed, to, to, it's a pivot. It's like a, once you say a line like that, you di- you're directing the story now. Like right. you're you're giving like mm-hmm. uh, a like this is where we're headed with this. Like, and I and I enjoy I will always enjoy this this scene 
the way it starts out because with, it's with her delivering that that question and I like stuff like that. You know, I think what makes it. it a lot more powerful as well, mm-hmm. since it's like we're trying to think about it from like more so like the the people's point of view, trying to figure out what Superman was doing inside the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like, we have no knowledge of what actually happened in that room at all. And yeah. we're just getting the story third hand and you're trying to see it from the layperson's point of view, like the everyman's point of view at that point. Somebody not directly yeah. connected I- to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it kind of makes you feel like, well, I think what makes it work really well um, is that like what Mark, you were saying about exposition and stuff. Never do we get any lines from Superman at all about the exposition of saying like, you know, I think those people think I killed them all. You know, mm-hmm. those they're wanting to have a court hearing about me on it. Like we don't get any of those, those like nonsense lines of dialogue. So we have no idea what's going through Superman's mind really through all this. Yeah. Like we have an idea of we, what he's thinking get... of, but like we don't really know what he's thinking and feeling. Take off the cape and the letter, and that still is Kal-El of Krypton, Clark Kent from Kansas. What? what is this kid that was growing up with a mom and dad? Like what the hell is he thinking that entire world? Thinking mm-hmm. that he just deliberately let a bomb go off. Yeah, one interesting thing that I noticed in my last watch through is that Superman or, or Cal or whatever you want to call him right now, or mm-hmm. at any point in time, never says, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. You're seeing it wrong. He never, you know, pleads with people to see his side or anything like that. He never even announces that there is another side to it. He just accepts that they have questions about it and is willing to go f- in front of him and talk it out, basically. Yeah. Never once did he say something say, the I lowest? didn't do it. It wasn't me, <laughs> you know? What, there was something weird in the theatrical that made it seem like, or maybe it's in the extended, it's either one of them, where he says, mm, it's not It's not like a, I didn't do it, it's a, I, I didn't kill those people. That's what you think. Well, yeah, that's, that was with uh, Nairomi. That right. w- yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Huh. Okay. But he's he says that to Lois yeah, so Lane. Yeah, he does say it to Lois Lane. So <clears throat> of course he wouldn't say it twice after the Capitol building bombing because once that bomb went off and in that moment of silence that he was like, Yeah, man, this bomb just went off. He already knew that the world and the people are gonna think mm-hmm. that he did this. So and it, he effed off real quick. It's such a it's so complicated because one, I have to get into the mindset of what it's like to be an alien immigrant who's a superhero kind of thing, but then also in a more... <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Yeah, see, right? And then also, uh, being a public figure. Superman, the idea of Superman is a public figure. That is something that Clark Kent has to acknowledge, and then you have to, you know, give two years as a public figure, you have to go, well, how do I go out and make a statement? Because every time you... Every time Superman, your character... Opens his mouth. Cape on, man. Anything. Like if he stands outside, he gets a microphone, he says anything. <laughs> it is written down, published as an article, and people can swing that and whatever. So it's like, either it's, you know, you have to be either extremely confident and accurate with what you're about to say, or don't say anything at all. What do you think it, he's going to say? It's, he it's say funny anything. you Giuliani say that 2018. Because, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Nate. No, I was making a terrible joke. Oh. You go ahead, man. I was just going to say, it's funny you say that because I know... 
people have complained before about how Superman, the character, like on the screen, is super hard to relate to. Duh, he's you know an alien, but he doesn't. He's always so stoic that it makes it hard for an audience person to connect with him. Mm-hmm. And I know that's been a, a common complaint about any Superman movie, you know, even back to, uh, what was that one with Brandon Roush? Uh, uh, returns. Right. Superman returns. You know, he got a lot of flack for that because, you know, nobody connected to him and he wasn't, he wasn't, um, somebody that they felt like they could relate to at all. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to ever relate to Superman. He has to hold himself above and be stoic because like you said, Everything he says, every word he utters, he has to take ultimate accounting for. Like, he has to be ready to account for every single thing that he says and does. Yeah, the the more I um, try to soak in everything about Superman, the more I realize that he's more like, he, he's less like superheroes that we know about, um, like the major mainline ones, but more of like, Doom Patrol type superheroes where they're like the only way you're going to relate to that character is if you understand that they can't relate to anyone right. ever and which is really weird we did a whole Patreon episode make sure you check it out but anyways <laughs> about Doom Patrol but anyways it's like you have to get into that mindset it's like it's not about relating to Superman or like Superman relating to you you know it, it you can't do yeah. that it just reminds me like this character must be so hard to write yeah, because mm-hmm. we're coming yeah. from a place nobody can it, really I have imagine. I always thought it. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. always thought that it's one of. The, I applaud anybody who wants to tackle a Superman story because one, it's like you got to think well, what hasn't been done, and then two, how do I relate to an alien, like an alien immigrant that well, wants you, to be a human? That's just you know who is extremely easy to relate to, General Zod. Like I feel like. There's a lot of people who don't realize that they can relate. And I feel like... They've just always write him so savage, which kind of... Well, I feel like in Man of Steel, they wrote him in a surprisingly relatable way. Like, there are people who... Yeah, but even books like that, that came out after Man of Steel, like, I think... Yeah, he showed up in, like, Superman Wonder Woman for a little bit. And yeah, it was just still, like a brute kind of yeah, he overlord just, kind of he thing. He seemed like just somebody sent from Apocalypse just yeah, trying yeah, to kill yeah. him. Yeah, I know, I get that. But I feel like in this... It's it's weird that you can't relate to Superman, but people don't realize how easily they're relating to General Zod. And maybe General Zod was like, "Hey, man, I don't relate with you," but and that's why I don't like you anymore. <laughs> so there's something there, but yeah. yeah, I think I think it's I think it'll work out for a lot of people who are in a state of mind that feel kind of lost, like maybe socially or existentially or something like that, and they if they give Superman a chance, they might be like, wow, this guy goes through some, some issues. And, you know, maybe in, in that alienation, they can relate to him. Oh, definitely. He's, he's got, he's, he's so lucky to have Lois, but other than like Lois and his few close friends, he's got to remain apart from everybody. He can't be a part of society at all, especially as, as Superman Kal-El. He's got to totally remain apart because he's he's not a part of this world as much as he may want to be. So he's always got mm-hmm. that, that distinction. He's always being held apart. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that if they actually so- stopped and thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
in the last bit of this minute, we get Perry White, um, who says, still no, wait, did he say still no Clark Kent yet? Still no right. Kent. Yeah. And he's seen, He's very somber. He's so somber. He's very, almost defeated. Yeah, like how like long, is it like, did, is he just like, no call, no show? Or did it think that he was covering something in the Capitol building and just no body count, like showed Clark Kent, he's just missing? Yeah, just I feel think like, that's um, what it is. He, he wasn't sure where he was. There was this big explosion, and now he's not sure if possibly he's dead. Okay. One thing that's interesting, I, we were talking about Superman standing apart. Imagine have to, having to be Lois here, listening to everybody around you gossiping about a Superman and all this stuff and not being able to say anything. Yeah, it's not even that. It's all the news coverage, too, that we even see you know, later on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in, in last week as well, it's like all the news coverage of, of just what happened it's all negative towards Superman. I mean, yeah. as it should, because that's what the people see it as. But at the same time, there are people like Perry White that want the complete opposite. And it seems like, in my opinion, like Perry White is very pro-Superman. Yeah. But what is it like having to walk into work with what just happened and being like kind of at a loss for hope kind of thing? Yeah. Like, you know, like that feeling, and I, I can't really relate it to anything at the moment, but because I'm kind of on the spot, but it's like just the thought of like, you go into work and you're like, still no Kent, huh? But it's like, that's not what you're really worried about. What you're worried about is like, uh, the the idea of Superman is so tainted right yeah. now because that's what Lex Luthor wanted to happen yeah. and it's working and you can feel the demoralization like just engulf the entire country if not the world kind of thing you know what it's kind of dark but i can relate it to something yeah 9-11 people trying to fly after 9-11 it was really like like you're really gonna do that it was a fear Mm -hmm. is what it was so it's almost like it's fear yeah it is um it's still kind of sombering uh in a sense yeah you know it's just a tragic experience like that trying to come back from it but you know i'm still on the on the side that even lawrence fishburne's perry white knows that clark and superman are oh wait so you think he's probably like still no kent huh and knowing that it's superman and knowing that oh man if i was superman too i'd get out of here because all these people are getting so negative kind of yeah it's like i perry white is the most uh, is, is the end all be all investigative reporter so put yourself in the mind of Perry White. If he sees a bomb go off and everybody's blaming Superman, wouldn't Perry White be thinking, wow, well, what's Superman thinking right now? He's thinking that everybody literally hates him because that's what the media and even myself has to print right now. So if I was that guy, I'd say screw this and leave. Yeah, Perry White... It seems like what Perry White's yeah, thinking. Yeah, he's always like, he knows what... what, what um, he. Throughout this entire movie, he's saying headlines that he knows is going to sell papers. Yeah. But he, you know he doesn't agree with any of that, which right. he's saying. Man, like, end of love affair with man in the sky, question yeah. mark, like, this, that, and the other. Like, we're publishing stories because we know they sell, not publishing stories that I would necessarily believe in. So, yeah, yeah you're right. He, he's probably looking... That I wonder if that happens with journalists. You know, journalists say, like, every time they read someone else's article... They go, 
Wow, I wonder if that guy actually believes what he wrote or he just knows it's a quick like cash grab article. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can probably pick and So pick he's out the probably ones. like the whole media is like, Oh, Superman, you know, just negative you know Superman caused this. Superman yeah, caused Superman, it. why did Superman stop yeah, it? Yeah, why is Superman here? And he's probably just like, Man, yeah. people don't really believe this, but like it just sucks that that is the that is the natural progression of media. So Yeah. Sorry. Thomas uh, <laughs> Let's give you the floor a bit. Sorry. Uh, it's fine. I was, maybe I missed something in, in what you were saying there, but, or overall in these movies, does Perry know he's Superman? There's, what was it? They say it in the, in the art of book, right? Nope. It's no. Theory, Nate. I thought the theory got thrown out the window. No, it's a, no, it's a theory. Oh, okay. So our theory, the theory that I'm rolling with and the theory that I've always thought is the case and just my headcanon of Perry White, he's always known that Clark Kent and Superman are one and the same. I could get um, behind that for sure because, like you said, he's, yeah. he's a great journalist and very investigative. He's, yeah, he's Perry White. Yeah, come on. It would be hard, White. honestly. <laughs> you know, that's the big Superman conundrum. How does how do people not recognize that he's different because he has glasses on, you know? I mm-hmm. feel like somebody in Perry White, with Perry White's abilities would definitely figure that out, and he's willing yeah. to live with that secret there's something um later on that lois lane towards it towards uh the i don't know third act of the film i can't keep track really with this one but you know one of the final moments they're the final moment uh, lois has with perry in this film um Seems oh, asking for the chopper? It's, yeah, when yeah. she asked for that chopper. and Yeah, you know. and Perry seems to know exactly what it's for. It's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, got to yeah, go find yeah. You gotta go, and so gotta that go your always, boyfriend. Yeah, but which one? And that always seemed like... Hey-o. And that always seemed like very, like, he has to have some idea, you know? Yeah. Right. Something... So, I don't know. Um, it's yeah. almost like maybe it's like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind. You guys should weigh in this, said that on this on the chat. Facebook page. All you yes. listeners. That was... <laughs> Have we not asked that? I think we've asked it, oh. but I don't. I, you know, this could be someone's first episode that they're listening to us. So shouts out, yeah. If you know, we definitely want to hear the you know point and counterpoints of it. Do you think Perry knows? Um, do you think? Yeah. You know, there's so many people on Listener Society. Why isn't oh, anybody talking? Now there's I know only what like you're talking. Now talking, I know guys. what Come you um, what you were referring to in the book is that in the art of book they they put a statement saying that. No one in the Daily Planet knows that Clark and Lois are together. That's what it is. Okay. But, and so the uh, but everybody you know, else saw Clark, uh, Lois, and Superman kiss last movie. So. But and they also share an apartment together. I don't understand <laughs> it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. For all journalists, there somebody has to figure that out at least. Yeah, you live together, and yet you go into work not. That seems so. Like how no one has put two and two together just baffles me. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute. And don't forget to check out the Facebook group, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. Uh, let us know what you think about Perry White. Let us know what you think about the Genesis Chamber and General Zod. And let's hear your theories about what the genetic form material, uh, how that plays into creating uh, you, this is you're giving tall orders to people, man. <laughs> hey, man, they wanted it. <laughs> if you expect a lot uh, from people, they'll step up. Trust me. <laughs> all right. If you're listening to a, a minute by minute podcast, 
you're invested. All right. So, uh, yeah, check us out on all those platforms, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.